Well, if you're a, if you're a guest with us, you're catching us in the middle of a, a sermon series uh, t- through the Apostles' Creed. And we've been looking at the various phrases of the creed since really the beginning of the fall and um, kind of remembering what the Apostles' Creed uh, is, is all about. And it, it has been a good thing, I, I hope. It, it has been for me. Um, I, I find it a very applicable kind of piece no matter where a person is in their, in their journey of faith. You might, you might have been walking this path for years or you might feel like you're at the very beginning uh, either way, the Apostles' Creed is helpful because it summarizes some of the big teachings of Christianity. And the image that we've been using to illustrate this throughout the series is, is this idea of maps. And I've explained it multiple times, but found this on the, on the web one time. And it's a, it's a very detailed topographical map from uh, the National Geographic Society. It has everything, every structure, every last detail. There are elevation numbers on there. If that's the Bible, then this kind of map is the Apostles' Creed, right? Just the just the major thoroughfares, not every last detail. It's the pocket map of the essentials, right? This is the picture that we've been using to kind of think about the Apostles' Creed. So uh, two weeks ago, we took a break last week and had a guest speaker our Global Mission Sunday. And wasn't Rick Peterson awesome, by the way, if you were here? He was just fantastic. Um, uh, but, but two weeks ago, we focused on the statement of the creed that said, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. The next phrase in the creed is actually, I believe in the communion of saints. But by the nature of needing to squeeze things together for sermon series, I'm not going to uh, unpack that one specifically. It's a bit like I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. There's some stuff to talk about. But we're going to move on today to the next phrase, which is, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. So that's, that's where we're at today. And the entire creed is based on, uh, on scripture. And one of the verses that was primary in the establishment of this, uh, this phrase of, this, of the creed is this verse from 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. So let, let me read this for us. It's on the screen, I believe, too. Uh, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, indeed, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, so again, just, just by way of uh, review, if, if you're new to this conversation, the Apostles' Creed was not written by the Apostles. It is a summary of the, of the teaching of the Apostles. And we can track this document back to the very earliest days of the church. And it was used as a kind of curriculum for people who wanted to be baptized into the Christian church. It actually... Uh, uh, made, made a, a very extended curriculum that people would work through so that they kind of got a, got a sense of the fullness of the teaching of Christianity. And at the end of that, folks would be baptized on Easter Sunday. It actually was a three-year process that they'd go through and then be baptized on Easter Sunday. So uh, the essentials of the faith, it was written by other people, but summarizes the teaching of the apostles embraced by the church from the very early years. And today, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Uh, what, what that really means is I have confidence, not just I, I believe in my head the forgiveness of sins. It means I have confidence in the forgiveness of sins. I trust in the forgiveness of sins. And when a person makes that statement uh, saying, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, it means four things, really. Um, to believe in the forgiveness of sins is one, to believe that sin is the problem. This is the outline for the sermon, by the way to believe that sin is the problem, two, to believe that real forgiveness is possible in Christ, 
Three, to disbelieve any other way of dealing with sin. And four, to believe in the power of forgiveness. So, so that's where we're heading today. So let me just unpack those things uh, kind of briefly as we, as we move through it. So first, to believe in the forgiveness of sins is to believe that sin is the problem. Look at this from Isaiah. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And, and really throughout the Bible, that's the message. And what a precise way of saying it, that our sins, our wrongdoing, our inclination to go sideways has hidden God's face from us. It wasn't God who put up the barrier. We did. And that's, that's the thing. And this problem is universal to human beings. Every single person on the planet is in the same boat, no matter the color of your skin, your socioeconomic status, the family into which you were born, the opportunity that you've enjoyed in life or lack thereof. Every single human being everywhere has the exact same problem, and this is it. It's the main thing. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's, that's Bible language. And I remember so vividly when I was first kind of exploring the Christian faith, I read that and thought, ugh, that's so harsh. Like, no, no, there's good people. It's not that bad. Come on, I'm not, I haven't done that. And then as I, as I kind of leaned into the faith, I, I, I learned what the Bible actually means by that. So you've got to contextualize it a little bit, right? The word sin actually came from ancient archery, of all things. And uh, sin was the degree to which the arrow missed the perfect bullseye. That's all sin is. So if you're like me, you know you are not shooting perfect bullseyes every time in your life. I can relate to that. It doesn't mean that I'm a murderer. What sin means is I'm not shooting perfect bullseyes every time. Right? Everybody's there. Everybody. We, we have this inherent understanding that there is a right way and that sometimes... Often, even, we choose a way other than that. And there's internal disconnect in our hearts because we know that. And the psychological experience that accompanies that is guilt and shame because we're hardwired with the way the creator has put values into the universe. It's in us, right? And we know when we get sideways the vast majority of the time. Right, so sin is the problem, um, and it and it's and, and it's not really so much a problem of behavior as a problem of nature. This was a really important thing that I learned along the line as I kind of grew as a Christian, because I conceived of sin simply as doing bad stuff, and and that is true. I mean, sin is something outside of God's will, not what God would prefer, and sometimes we do that. But the real problem isn't that we choose to do bad stuff. The real problem is that we are naturally inclined to do bad stuff. The real problem is that when left to ourselves, we are inclined to choose that which is not right. That's the problem. And and that's ultimately why 
when, when people try to kind of make a religion out of sin management or sin avoidance. Uh, some people conceive of Christianity this way, that it's just kind of a list of rules and I've got to, got to obey really hard and keep myself from getting dirty or from doing bad things. That's not real Christianity. Uh, that's, that's a legalistic version with some Christian language added into it. Because real Christianity says that that effort will, will take you to a, a place where there's no fruit. It'll just, it'll just be frustration. It would, it would be akin to trying to dam the Mississippi River uh, with a dam made of popsicle sticks. Like, impossible. We, we can't fix ourselves like that. Right, so the, the problem is our nature. The problem is we need to be remade. We need to die and be born into a whole new kind of life. That's what Jesus meant when he said you, you, you need to be born again. Right? There's, there's a, a new life that's available. So to believe in the forgiveness of sins is to believe uh, that, um, that sin is the problem in the world. Not the secondary problem. This is the problem that has caused everything to go sideways. So to believe in the forgiveness of sins is also to believe that real forgiveness is possible. Look at this scripture. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And and Jesus went on to tell a story to illustrate his point about forgiveness. And it was a story about a servant who owed his master a great debt, 10,000 bags of gold, the Bible says. And the master came and knocked on the servant's door and said, hey, you owe me this bill. Uh, Pay up right now, I'm going to throw you in jail. And the servant begged for mercy and said, oh, just give me more time. With more time, I can pay this off. Yeah, right, like 10,000 bags of gold was several lifetimes worth of work. Uh, for, for that guy. There's no way he was ever going to pay off the debt. And, and instead of putting him on a payment plan, the master said, you know what? Let, let's just call it good. Uh, I'll, I'll absorb that debt for you. Your, your debt is canceled. It's done. You're free. You don't owe me a thing. You don't need to worry about it anymore. And there's if you know that story, there's more to the story because then, then that servant turns around and kind of, kind of sticks it to somebody who owes him something. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, but the underlying assumption of that story is that we live in a world where the master, God, forgives our very great debt when we turn to him for mercy. I mean, that's, that's the thing. God doesn't put us on a payment plan. God doesn't say you have to work it off. God says... It is finished. Uh, Literally, that is what Jesus said on the cross. Some of his last words on the cross, the Greek word was tetelestai, translated into English, it is finished, uh, but but probably would have been better translated as kind of paid in full because it was a commercial word stamped on invoices in the ancient world when the, the bill had been completely paid off and there was nothing more owed. Tetelestai. It's finished. Right? This, this is what God says. And that, that's why uh, Christians both now and those who've gone before us, including uh, the apostles like Peter who wrote this to Timothy, could say things like this. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world 
to save sinners, to, to pay off the debt. Not just an idea we hold in our heads and kind of noodle on on Sunday mornings. This is the reality of life. Jesus has paid our debt and we're free. And this, this is the thing. So to, to say I believe in the forgiveness of sins is to, to believe that real forgiveness is possible. Also, uh, it's to believe that there's no other way of dealing with the sin problem. Uh, Proverbs 14.12 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. And my understanding of this verse is that that way that appears to be right is the way where we try harder uh, to make ourselves better and to overcome our fundamental problem in life, which is this sin problem, on our own, through our own effort. That's my understanding. That's the way that seems right to a person. Seems right, right? But in the end, it leads only to death. And you need only kind of survey the the horizon of the world for a couple minutes to get the idea that, that this is out there everywhere. I mean, every other religion save a Christianity and Judaism, every kind of spiritual philosophy, everything else is built on this fundamental idea that we're kind of hiking the trail of life and there's a mountain before us and we're trying to make it up the mountain to where God is. And, you know, and this is kind of how the, the line of argument goes, right? Because we're all hiking the same mountain and we're just trying to get up there, it doesn't really matter which path you take. Because the destination is all the same, right? It doesn't matter if you go this way or straight up the, the hard way or kind of around about this way or who knows? If you can find a helicopter, take it. It'll take you to the same place, right? And, and it's through our own effort, our hiking, our doing, our scheduling of the helicopter, our getting there somehow. And there's, there's a logic to that, right? Kind of that you can't argue with. If that's the destination, well, it doesn't matter how you get there. But the uniqueness of Christianity is that it bags that whole picture and says, look, Christmas is about turning the mountain upside down. The God who's way up there came right down here to us. Nobody has to hike the mountain anymore. Hallelujah. Because hiking the mountain was impossible anyway. It would be like trying to climb Mount Everest in the wintertime. You wouldn't even make it to the base camp before you died. Impossible. But the claim of Jesus is that he was God and that he moved into our neighborhood to be with us where we are for the purpose of forgiving our sin, of closing out the invoice of that 10,000 bags of gold each of us owed and stamping on it paid in full. All right, so to believe in the, in the forgiveness of sins means to believe that there's no other way of reconnecting with God than Jesus forgiving us. You know, that, that's, that's really the only way. And, and it gets to our scripture for today, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, the, the reformers spoke of justification. It's kind of a fancy sounding theological word if you're not used to it. They, they spoke of that word rather than emphasizing forgiveness. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is that they wanted it to be very clear to everyone 
that forgiveness wasn't just for stuff we've done in the past. Forgiveness is for stuff we'll do in the future. The word justification means that through Jesus coming down from the mountain to where we are, walking with us, living with us, dying on the cross on our behalf, making payment on our behalf, you know, he, he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is back to that, you know, the working image I've shared a couple times recently about uh, understanding what Jesus really did for us on the cross. You know, imagine you've got, you've got a big computer screen and a couple uh, uh, windows of Microsoft Word open, one with your spiritual resume and all of your performance in this life and one with the resume of Jesus and his perfect spiritual performance in life. What atonement is about, is about, what justification is about, is uh, God highlighting the perfectly validating performance record of Jesus, uh, copying it, and then coming over to your, not just adding it at the bottom of your resume and keeping all of your bad stuff too, but he highlights all of your bad stuff and replaces all of that with the perfectly validating performance record of Jesus. And like, like that's, that's the thing. That's what it means to receive the righteousness of God. And now we can go anywhere, anytime, especially uh, to our Father in heaven when we die. Like, here's my resume. Right? It's absolutely perfect because of what Jesus did. It's not like God is up there, arms folded, looking down at us, wondering, hey, when are you going to figure this out? When are you going to finally not struggle with that thing that you're struggling with? When are you going to not do that anymore? Come on, get it right. That's all a wrong image of God, right? The call to be like Jesus is very real. The call to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, very real. Uh, but, But our relationship with God and Jesus is solid, not kinda solid. It's solid. So to believe in the forgiveness of sins is also to believe in the power of forgiveness. Um, that, that story about the servant master went on. The, the servant who was forgiven went and kind of stuck it to somebody below him who owed him just a couple bucks, had the guy thrown in jail. And the master came back to him, of course, and said, how dare you? You, were, you, were, you got all this grace, all this mercy, and then you stuck it to this person? Like, come on. What are you, what are you doing? Um, so here's the thing, friends. If you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus in your life, really, and the, the power of God coming upon you and, and being cleansed and saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you. If, if you have that, if you've experienced that, come on. If somebody owes you a couple spiritual bucks here or there, you know, the call is to be like Jesus and absorb the payment yourself. That's it. We, we often say that wasn't fair. Trust me. In this world, none of us wants fair. We want mercy and grace. Because if the fair standard is applied to us, we're done. You know it, I know it. So this is just, let's just be gracious. Everybody's hurting. Everybody does things that aren't perfect. That's why the New Testament is full of the one another commands. 
Like love one another, bear with one another, hang in, stay in relationship, stay connected, have the difficult conversations because you love somebody too much to not have that difficult conversation. All of that, right? It's the power of forgiveness. And you've experienced it when you, when you forgive someone, when you let them off the hook, you release them from that dull, self-diminishing sense of guilt that's been just plaguing them. And if, if someone has wronged you, and you know it, and they know it, and you go to them and look them in the eye and forgive them, I imagine that you've seen some life come back into their eyes, right? There's power in this, just power in this. So there's, there's more to say there, but let me, let me just move to closing. How, how do we apply all this? Here, here's, let's just make it really simple, right? Here's the thing. Um, two, two basic areas of life, holding a grudge and holding on to the past. Holding a grudge is not forgiving someone for the way they wronged us. Holding on to the past is not forgiving ourselves for some way that we failed. Right? Both of those experiences are directly related to what we really believe about Jesus. When you hold on to a grudge and don't forgive somebody else, what's really going on at a spiritual level is that you're hanging on to a way that you believe you can hurt the person who hurt you. That's what's happening spiritually. But the truth of the matter is the only person you're hurting is you because you're harboring bitterness in your heart and, and, it, and it's eroding you. And, and again, there's a lot more to say here. For, forgiving someone doesn't mean that you have to be in a relationship with them. Forgiving someone does not mean completely forgetting the way they've wronged you. What it means is no longer remembering that wrong against them. That's what it means. Uh, now, there's a lot of responsibility on the other person, too. It would be very valid for you to not continue in a relationship with that person because of some of the dynamics that they might be presenting. But, so there's a lot more to this. It's not just, hey, everybody, forgive and forget and call it good. We're just talking about what's going on in your heart with uh, 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 your, your, your bitterness and resentment. Don't let that poison you. Because here's the thing. Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. And holding on to the past is, is much like it if you can't forgive yourself. Um, and and I, I imagine we've all been here. I know I have when I've done something I, I know to be wrong, even uh, like in the last year, right? In later years, when you're more mature in the faith, we do stuff we know we shouldn't do. And that the internal calculus says, well, I'm going to do this and this and this and that. No. None of that works. You've got to go back to Jesus. You've got to get down on your knees and say, Lord, I am sorry. Would you forgive me and, and help me? Show me what you want. Show me a new way. Show me a new friendship, a relationship that will help in this. Show me, you know, that's it, it, the only way. So here's the thing with holding on to the past. Holding on to the past is like drinking poison and expecting it to make you better. And that just doesn't work. Like, don't do that. So, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He's alive right now. Right now. You can say to him, Lord, I can't pay the bill. If you haven't done that, You need to. This is the only path toward fullness of life in this world. And when you do that, 
you receive personally an overwhelming sense of grace and forgiveness. Sometimes it's not like the staples button, like that was easy, right? Sometimes it's a season of life. For me, it was that. But this is the only way uh, to have the Lord of the universe, the one who made you and loves you so very deeply, cancel your debt. It's the only way out of the red. And once you've experienced it, you have a whole new perspective on forgiving other people. Just a whole new ballgame. So to believe in the forgiveness of sins is to believe that sin is the problem, that real forgiveness is possible, to disbelieve any other way of dealing with sin, and to believe in the power of forgiveness. Let us forgive as we have been forgiven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me, would you? Jesus, thank you for the work that you've done on our behalf to forgive us. Thank you that forgiveness is not a human concept, but a divine concept. Thank you that you moved first when we needed to be forgiven. Make us like that by your spirit toward others. And God, if there's a, if there's a hitch, if there's a hurdle, if there's a barrier in us, in in any part of this conversation, be it receiving your forgiveness for ourselves. Uh, I, I pray, God, that somehow you would bring solution, resolution, and unhinder us in those things. If, if we're grappling to forgive ourselves because of something that we've done, Father, would you do something new? Would you provide a new day, a new way, whatever it is, uh, provide a path for us to actually forgive ourselves, to come into alignment with your accomplished action on our behalf and your declaration of who we are in you. And God, if there's a, a, a resentment, a bitterness in us, we uh, hold our hands open before you, Lord, and ask you to take that. It's, um, it's poisonous to hold on to. We're tired of, of walking with it uh, we know we don't want it. So God, would you, would you bring release? Uh, would you take that, please? Thank you, Jesus, for your life. We love you. Uh, we pray in your name. Amen.